welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. I'm so glad you're with us. We want to plant a church in Cologne that's for people who are outside the walls of the church, people who are, who are burned out on religion, who are tired of the morality of church. We actually want to plant a church in Cologne for people who have more questions than answers. Um, we are calling our church Live Free Church because I believe, we believe as a church, that people are set free when their identity is free in Christ and Him alone. You see, my name's Colby, and um, we, we, I've been dreaming about planting a church in Kelowna for years, years and years, and I know what it feels like to have a redirection, to have a change of plans. Actually, for us, we've been planning for eight months to plant a church in the landmark theaters, and all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, we're not there. We're actually beaming into your house through our live stream. I'm actually in an empty kind of space right now, but I know what it feels like to have a redirection to a change of plan. I know what it feels like when you put your hope in something that fades away, that, that's not permanent, that's not a sure hope. See, we actually were, we had all this gear, we had all this amazing stuff. Actually, I was looking forward to having you in the Landmark 10 Theater in Kelowna to come in and have a great cup of coffee and for your kids to do a kids ministry. I was never expecting to be in a pandemic, to be live streaming. See, the last two weeks of, of March for me were, were brutal, were, were awful, actually, of just feeling the weight of us having to pivot, having to change our plans, having to redirect and refocus our, our attention. I'll never forget a moment when my wife, we're looking out in our backyard, and she said this amazing thing to me. And maybe you have a wife who, who says honest and real things to you, but my wife said, Colby, the, the church isn't in the trailer. It's not in the things. It's actually the people. It's the people that are a movement of what God's going to do in Kelowna. You see, in that moment when she said, the church isn't in that trailer, it's the people. It actually broke me because my hope was in what we were going to build. I think that actually we're going to build this monument. I think that's what I was inadvertently doing. I was building this, this spectacle of people who come and see what we were doing, but they actually weren't going to be a movement of people on mission for God and his kingdom. You see, those words that she said was that when the church isn't in the trailer, it's not a service, it's the people, it hurt me. Because it exposed the fact that my value was in all the things that we built for God, but not actually the people of God. You see, I think a lot of times that I place my hope on things, on circumstances. I think we live in a culture where, especially where we don't know what the future looks like, that we actually are building a moment of our lives in time where we actually are expecting things to fulfill us and, and give us significance and, and meaning. There's a great quote from one of my favorite movies called La La Land. And it says here that they worship everything and yet they love nothing. You see, isn't that true about our culture right now that we, we worship everything but we don't really love it? I was watching this documentary that kind of reinforces this and it's about Michael Jordan in his life. And there's this great, you know, series where where the Bulls are facing against the Pistons in the first, the Bulls' first run to the NBA Finals, and they're going against this brutal, ruthless, hard team, this Pistons team. And there's this guy on the team named Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman would be the, one of the greatest NBA 
rebounders in NBA history. And it talks about Robin's whole life. His whole life up to this moment of the NBA Finals was as a little kid desiring to, to come out of, of a broken family and into this, this moment where in a college, in the, NBA, in the NBA, is working towards winning the championship. You see, when Dennis Rodman with the Pistons, when they overcame and defeated the Bulls, Michael Jordan's Bulls, should have been the best moment of his life. It should have been a moment that actually got him, like, brought him safe security and significance, and it should have brought him meaning. He should have been out partying with his friends and celebrating. You see, they found Dennis Rodman in a car, passed out, with a gun on the driver's side seat. You see, a lot of times, when you actually desire something, when you worship something, you get it, it becomes the worst moment of your life because that thing, that whatever you're thinking about, can't give you significance and meaning. I know for me, when I finished my master's, you know, in my mid-20s, I thought the day I graduated from my, from my master's, my ceremony, my convocation, that that would be the day where people looked differently at me. I remember coming home and being like, is this it? This is it? Like, people don't like, treat me differently or they're not treating me a certain way? You see, I was desiring to become someone that a master's degree would give me significance and meaning and I couldn't. See, I put my hope in that. You see, I think we have these moments in our lives where we actually think that things will fix us. The things that we value the most, the things that our lives are kind of anchored on, the hope that we have. You see, we expect things to give us significance and meaning they can't. Maybe it's the, the next Amazon order that comes in. Maybe it's a relationship. People do this all the time in their marriages, don't they? Like, they get in this, this, this relationship and they get married and then their relationship kind of ends up fizzling out. They're like, you know what the best thing I'll do is I'll have a baby and I'll have another baby. And then guess what? That fizzles out because those things can't actually give you significance or meaning. And then what do they do? They buy a house and they buy a car. And they, if you live in Okanagan, what do you do? You buy a really expensive boat. <laughs> those things can't give us significance and meaning. You see, I think actually in this pandemic, it's interesting they're saying that people are adopting dogs like never before. Like what happens to those dogs when you get that dog thinking it's going to give you significance and meaning and a purpose in a spot where you feel maybe no purpose, but all that dog is doing is just being another child in your household. You see, we make things in our lives the ultimate things. It could be a car, it could be your marriage, it could be your kids, it could be your bank balance, it could be your sex life, it could be an addiction. See, no matter where you are right now at Live Free Church, no matter what doctrine you follow, no matter what God you follow, you will have things that define you. You see, there will be things in your life that you make the ultimate in your life. See, your hope in your life is anchored onto something. And that's why you feel so much despair right now or feel so much angst where you're like, I don't know what the future is going to look like for you, but our hope is anchored onto something whether you believe in this message or not. See, whatever your hope is anchored onto, if it's not permanent, if it's not anchored onto something in the past, it's going to fade away. So we're looking at a passage today about but what we find our hope in, what we put our hope in. And I think a lot of times we put hope in things that are going to flee. They're going to flee in a way. They're actually not permanent. See, Peter's writing to a group of believers who are suffering and struggling for their faith. And Peter wants to give them a hope hope that he knows is for certain. A living hope. 
Superior rates of a hope, a hope that holds the future in the present because it's anchored in the past. A hope that holds the future in the present because it's anchored in the past. See, Peter is one of Jesus' followers, and he was an eyewitness to Jesus. See, this account where he's writing this letter to these people kind of in in modern-day Turkey was written about 64 AD, and these people were struggling. Like, they can relate. We can relate with them in a pandemic. People who, who had so much uncertainty in their lives. People who felt like strangers in this world. I think that for, for me, we feel like, I feel like we're a stranger in this world. Like, I feel like the fact that we went to Disneyland in January feels like 10 years ago. I would love to share today with, from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. If you have your Bibles, go there. If not, it's on the screen. And it says here, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, this image we're talking about here is because of, of God's great mercy, he has given us new birth. Right? It's, it's, if you follow Jesus, Jesus, the fact that you actually have faith is a gift. This great quote I, thought, I heard this past week from this guy named Edmund Clowney. He says here that faith is a gift and God is the giver of that gift. You see, because of his great mercy, that's, that's the hope for us. Because of his great mercy, you've been given new birth into something. I think a lot of times that when you, people actually wanting to follow Jesus, what happens is they actually come to God thinking that, that God loves them based on their performance for him. Based on what they do, their output. You see, this is not what Peter is saying here. Peter is saying here is because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth. See, because of God's mercy, he has given us hope. See, I see people all the time who are constantly striving and striving and striving for Jesus. They're trying so hard. There's a great passage in Luke 15. If you time this week, go and read it. It's about two sons, and there's a younger son, and he goes off and he takes his father's inheritance, and he goes and he blows it in wild, crazy, reckless living. And he comes back, and he thinks that his father's just going to make him one of his servants. But his father, when he sees his son who's blown all his money on prostitutes and drinking and wild living, he runs out to his son and embraces him and gives him a ring and a robe and gives him a fattened calf and celebrates and and brings him back into his inheritance. But there's an older brother in the story who's out in the field and is like, I've been striving, I've been trying so hard for you, and where's my celebration? Where's my party? You see, I think there's a mentality in the church and Christians that we've been striving for Jesus and we actually demand something from him this time. That we demand a better life, a better spouse, better school for our kids, better recreational tools or devices. You see, I think for us, when you look at this term, new birth, you know, it's actually talking about the act of the father in the conception of the baby. See, in the old King James Version, it actually talks about the fact that, that he has begotten us. See, what it's referring to here is the implantation of a new life into your soul. That's what makes you a Christian. That God is implanting something into your life. It's changing you. It's not something that you achieve or do. It's actually something that God's implanting into you and changing you slowly and surely by the, by the Holy Spirit. See, a lot of people think that the difference between a like Christian and non-Christian, you know, they, they think basically we're both the same human beings, but, but Christians just have additional customs. 
They might be a little more conscientious. They might have a few more little additional beliefs. See, the Bible says, no, there's a guy named Nicodemus in John 3. And Nicodemus came by night, and he was a rabbi, a teacher, just like Jesus. He said, Rabbi, we're both teachers in Israel. And you seem to be a lot better of a teacher than me. See, there are a lot, there are, there are a lot of things that you seem to be able to do that I can't do. You seem to have a power that I don't have. What is it? See, what is an extra added ingredient that I need to have? What is it? See, Jesus says, you made a great mistake. It's not something that you just need an extra amount of truth or grace. He's not saying it's like you haven't missed a particular principle. It's not that you need anything added. It's that Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You have to be reconceived. You have to be regenerated. You have to be completely changed from the inside out. Your whole life has to be rebuilt on a new framework. You need a new reality. So I think when we look at our lives and wherever you're at, that we actually have building blocks in our life, foundational pieces of our life. And it, and it starts from when you're a little kid. And I don't know what it is. It could be from a great moment. It could be from trauma. It could be from whatever it is, things you valued that gave you significance and identity. He went students in high school and, and how a lot of times it's based on their achievement, grades. Like wherever you're at, I think a lot of times we look at our lives as like these little building blocks of our life. And we just add and add and add and add and add. Before you know, we have a whole life of just the foundational piece of our life. But a lot of times we become a Christian. When, when Peter's talking about new birth, he's not talking about like your whole building blocks and he adds one extra building block onto your life. That's what we do. Right, don't we just, we just add Jesus onto the building blocks of our life? But when Jesus comes into your life, it's like dynamite that blows up every building block in your life and then the Holy Spirit reorganizes them for his kingdom and his glory. You see, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus, to be reborn. You see, here's how you know you're saved by Jesus. You have a new reality. You think different. But most importantly, you have a brand new hope, hope for the future. You have a hope that won't ever perish or fade because it's anchored in the past in a moment, and that moment's the resurrection. You see, there's two kind of hopes that we face, and there's a fond hope and a sure hope. See, a fond hope is like a hope against hope. It's like wishful thinking of something that might happen, but it probably won't happen. I remember as a young guy, you know, when I was in Bible school and I was so broke, and I'd walk to and from school every day and, and actually had no money for a bus pass. <laughs> And I walk by this convenience store. And maybe you've been like this before where there's this thing where there's a, there's a lottery number on the store sign. It was like, this week it's 5 million. Next week it's 50. And then I was like, man, I should just go and buy a ticket because who knows? Like that's a fond hope. A fond hope is maybe one day I'll get this, but it's probably not going to happen. You see, I think 99% of our lives are, are wishing for something that probably will never happen. It's anchored, our hope is anchored on nothing. It's on, on, the, on the fact that maybe I'll become this one day, or maybe I'll get this one day, or maybe I'll achieve this one day. Like 99% of our lives is anchored on something that probably will not actually come to fruition. I remember this one time, I was encountering this, this one guy in the, the lobby of one of my old churches. We were doing this capital campaign trying to raise some money for the church. And people were trying to pledge money for this capital campaign. And it is it's really about radical generosity. That if, if you believe in Jesus, that, that following Jesus should, should impact every area of your life, especially your bank balance. 
But unfortunately, I think that's the last thing that gets converted in a Christian life in North America. This one guy is talking to in the lobby, and someone's talking about how much they're pledging. And, and uh, this guy's like, one day I'll pledge some money. One day I'll give some money to the, to the church. One day when I have a good job. One day when this happens. And I was like, man, here's the deal. Like, that day's never going to happen. Like, either you're generous right now in this moment with a dollar of $10. Or you won't be. Because I think people, when they put their hope onto something that might happen one day, that I might become something one day, I might become more generous, I might become more faithful, it's like you're attaching a hope to nothing, to, to circumstances that may or may not happen. You see, I think that's the reason why people right now, I don't know if, if you've seen this, but on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram, like there is so much fake news out there. And I think that because we're not so hopeful of the future. We look at the future and we go, like, what is this going to look like for my kids to go back to school, for my job, for traveling, for doing all the things that I like to do before this, the things that actually I put my hope in. Going to Disneyland, traveling, going to Hawaii, whatever it is that you put your hope in is fleeting. And I think that's the reason why people are sharing fake news because they want some certainty what the future is going to look like but we have no certain of what the future is going to look like. But we can have hope in the future because it's anchored for us, if you believe in Jesus, on the past. That past moment is Jesus. But Peter here is talking not about a, a fond hope. He's talking about a sure hope. A sure hope is anchored to something. See, Peter writes of a sure hope, hope that holds the future in the present because it's anchored in the past. See, Peter hopes for salvation, for God's salvation, God's deliverance from sin and death. His hope is sure because God has already accomplished his salvation, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus was a life-changing reality for Peter. See, when Jesus died on the cross, it was the end of all Peter's hopes. See, they were hopeful of a king who was going to come in and overthrow the Roman Empire. See, he knew only bitter sorrow for his own denials. He denied Jesus three times. See, the dawn could not bring Peter hope. With, the, with the, the rooster crowing three times, he heard the echo of his curses on and on and on. But Jesus did not stay dead. And on Easter Sunday, Peter learned that the woman who, who ran to the tomb, bringing this amazing news back, is that Jesus rose from the dead. And when he ran to the tomb, he saw its evidence. The tomb was empty. And he left in wonder, but Jesus remembered Peter and appeared to him even before he came to eat the disciples in the upper room. See, hope was reborn in Peter's heart with the sight of his living Lord. Now Peter writes to praise God for that living hope. See, if you believe in Jesus, our hope is anchored to the past that Jesus rose from the dead. So you can have hope because it's not anchored to your achievement or something that you have to do. It's actually anchored to something that Jesus has done for you. Our hope remains with us in the present because Jesus is alive. He's actively working. His kingdom is coming to earth. You see, we don't serve something that's going to perish or fade because Jesus is dead. No, he's alive. And because of that, our hope's alive. Our hope is complete in the future because Jesus is coming back. 
You see, there's some victoria, victory. That Think about like, the fact that if you're fearful of what the future looks like, it's that Jesus is going to come back one day and restore all things and renew all things. See, when you follow Jesus, you have a new reality, a new salvation, a new hope that can't be stripped away. That's a sure hope, my friends. It's an inheritance that can't be taken away. You can't lose it, but you can't even achieve it. It's been given to you as a gift. That's why Peter here is talking about praising God because his faith is a gift. It's been given to him. See, that's how you know you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus because you have a living hope. In a pandemic, in a time that's struggling, that people are suffering, people have lost their work. You see, it's not optimism. It's not trying harder. You know, it's the truth of what God has done for us. But if God has given us a living hope, here's my thing, what, is you, what are you living for? Like, what are you living for right now in Kelowna, in a pandemic in 2020? And I think, if I'm to be honest, if I live for things that are going to, that are fond hopes, not a sure hope, that a lot of times that when I interact with those hopes, I get discouraged and disillusioned. It's like looking at our church and thinking, man, this is what we wanted to do. We wanted to reach people who were inside the walls of a church. We wanted to reach people through our community, but now we're actually having to reach people digitally. I was talking with someone this past week and they're talking about the fact of, as I've, I've been really honest about how I've struggled in, in the end of March, and I feel way better now, but in the end of March, it was a real kind of like dark moment of my soul, dark night of my soul. And someone was talking to me and said, you know what, it's almost like in the early church when, when they scattered the apostles and they thought it was a destruction of the church, but actually it was the advancement of the church. I think that's for us, that we get to actually be the church. The church isn't a service. It's not online. It's the community. We would love for you to be connected into a community because I think that you're isolated and alone. And I think that the only way to kill loneliness is to, to join a community group. That we need friends in this moment. We don't need better Instagram accounts or followers, but we actually need hope. A living hope. But what are you living for? Because if you're just living for the summer... If you're just living for the, your boat, if you're just living for a bigger and better house, if you're looking for a better education for your kids, if, you're, if your hope's in your kids, all those things are going to get stripped away and you're going to feel discouraged and disillusioned. But if your hope is anchored in a moment in the past, you see, in the, the resurrection, that's what Peter is saying, you can't strip that away from you. You see, what are you living for? Whether you believe in Jesus or not, we're living for something. It could be a bigger bank balance. It could be a better marriage. I don't know what you're living for, but we're living for something. Peter in verse 5 says here, that you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is already ready to be revealed in the last time. I don't know what you're living for, but if it's not Jesus, it's not going to last. It's going to fade away. It's going to corrode. It's going to break down. It's not going to give you significance in meaning the way the resurrection can. See, we can have a hope in a pandemic for the future. We can have a living hope, and that's Jesus. It changes everything about us. It changes the way you, the way you interact with your spouse. It changes the way you interact with your kids, the way you interact with your neighbors, the way you interact with your finances. 
Whether you have a lot of it or a limited amount of it, it changes the way you interact with all those things. See, we can have a living hope today because we have a living God. And we can have a living, we can have a hope that holds the future and the present because it's anchored in the past. I hope that today you find that very comforting. That we can have a hope that's present right now. A hope for the future that's present because it's anchored in the past event, and that event is Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for how you're guiding and directing us. I thank you, God, for how we can be hopeful for the future because it's in you. Jesus, I pray that, that whatever we've made our life, that the worst moment of our life will be when we finally achieve that thing, if it's not you. I think right now that there's, there's a moment where for a lot of us that we've been escaping maybe our life, but we can't because we're, we're stuck at home with our spouse, with our kids. We're limited to where we can go. And I think that people feel really anxious about that. Lord, I pray that we'd actually find hope in you that, that you're the only thing, that your resurrection is the only thing that can give us hope for the future because you're coming to save all things, to renew all things, to change all things. I pray this time, and this time wouldn't destroy us, but actually give us significance and meaning that we could, our lives could be found in you and you alone, that we'd be live free church in Kelowna, people set free to be called the people that you called us to be, that we are actually your beloved sons and daughters right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.